Welcome back to the Mad About Movies VIP Club. Now here's one of your hosts, Kent, Brian, or Richard. Happy 4th of July, ma'am fam, in the U.S., and happy 4th of July, everyone around the world, too. Uh, we are releasing this in honor of the men and women who have given their lives as sacrifice to our country, of course, as we celebrate our independence this 4th of July holiday. Thank you for joining us again on Mad About Movies this week for the second time on the main feed. Uh, as we talk and throw back to a movie that is celebrating its 20-year anniversary in 2018. Wow. That's, impre- that's amazing. Crazy. 20 years. I wouldn't Unreal. have thought. Uh, I remember when this one came out vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that weekend. Me and too. Everything. I saw it by accident. We went and the, they put the wrong reel in. I was trying to see The Mask of Zorro. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. And then I'm serious. And then this started playing. And you know, it kind of leans in pretty quickly. It doesn't really <laughs> yeah, ease it doesn't into take it, you so. long to figure it out. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty jarring. You're trying to see like, Master of Disguise Zorro. starring Dana Garvey. <laughs> no, it was Zorro. That? And it was, uh, it was they owed us all. They were all there was some very upset kids and stuff because, uh, you know, stuff was falling out and things like that. Yeah. Not, not a, lot the of, a lot of counseling. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Zorro needs, needs, that's a property that could I'm be something. I'm with you, dude. I think I we're really the only do. ones, though. I love Zorro. I mean, the second one they did a few years ago was terrible, but yeah. just as a property, yeah. I'm all in on Zorro. I think if they rebooted that with a good director and like a young mm-hmm. yeah. star. Like a Diego Luna be, with a yeah, lot of charisma. I was going to say, with our luck, it turned out to be Diego Luna. <laughs> it would be. Oh, he's bummer. the only star bummer. right now. Like, like Oscar Isaac would be an awesome Zorro. Sure. I'm in. Didn't, aren't they remaking Scarface? I know we mentioned Scarface last episode. Yeah, but it's supposed to come it? out this summer. But Isn't it with Diego it Luna? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. is it really? Yeah. yeah dead serious. <laughs> oh, because that's who I wanted to be Scarface was Oscar Isaac. Yeah. He would have been perfect. It was supposed to come out in August. Yeah, it is. It's it definitely is not wow. going to come out in August since there's literally no. It has nothing. It says in development. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not gonna. That that's not happening this year, at least. Maybe, maybe ever. Don't hopefully. hopefully. Don't remake Scarface. Zorro's great because it's just 1800s Batman, and I don't understand why this can't be a thing. Right. <laughs> right. Right. If yeah. you just make it 1800s Batman, we're all in. Yeah. This is the second week in a row we've referenced a movie that I used to own on VHS. Oh, sweet. I can't tell. Uh, Columbia House VHS Club. Anthony Hopkins awesome. is randomly way more game for that movie than he should be. At that I know. Point in his career. He's he, like, really into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's weird. Totally. It's going to be a fun throwback. We may need to look this up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pete Catherine Zeta Jones, too. Yeah. By the way. Totally. Yeah. That and Entrapment. Yeah. Yep. It was. Well. Uh, welcome back to Throwback Talk as we talk all the <laughs> 90s movies that you forgot about. Uh, man, I can't steal this because I think it was Alan Sevenwall that tweeted something like, how has, a, how has the Rock reboot starring The Rock not happened already? Like, that seems like oh, the most yeah. obvious thing totally. to redo. Um, it seems like the most um, sky, skyscraper-esque idea would be a remake mm-hmm. of The Rock starring yeah. The Rock. Well, we'll see. In two years, I'm yeah. sure that'll be a thing that gets rebooted as well. Well, top can... 10 movies at the box office when Saving Private Ryan came out. Are you yeah. guys ready for this? Yeah, I am. Let's do it. Okay, can Saving I, Private Ryan. Can name them? Uh, I bet you can name what five. Year? So it came out summer of 1998? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Saving Private Ryan was number one. Truman Show? We are. Uh-huh. Uh, nope. Nope. It hadn't come Not out there. yet? It, was, it had dropped to 14th by that point. Oh, gotcha. 
I don't know. Uh, Mask of Zorro was number two. Okay. Godzilla, Godzilla was, uh, Batman yeah, yeah. and Robin. Was that Batman and Robin was later that summer, I believe. So mm-hmm. no, that, not there. Okay. Um, I'm 0 for 4 so far, so. <laughs> uh, a movie else. that we, we did a throwback on several a couple of years ago, Michael Bay, uh, and a, an asteroid. Not familiar. <laughs> not ringing any bells for me. Okay. Armageddon was Agam- number five. Agamemnon. I think Agamemnon. it's called. Agamemnon. Yep. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we've got Saving Private 1, uh, Mask of Zorro 2, Lethal Weapon 4 is number three. Of course. <laughs> Something About Mary was number four. Mm-hmm. We all agree is not a good movie, and people should stop pretending like it is, right? We're all on that same boat? Am I... Yeah. Am I misremembering yeah. that? Okay. No, it's terrible. Brett Favre is the best actor in that. <laughs> agree. Totally agree. Okay, number five was Armageddon. Number six was Dr. Doolittle. Uh, Dr. Doolittle made so much money that summer. Unreal. Number seven, Disturbing Behavior with uh, Katie Holmes, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Uh, number eight, this is a throwback, Mafia featuring... Uh, who was in that movie? It's... Uh, Oh man, it's not even pulling. Jay Moore picture. Jay Moore. Yeah, it was Jay Moore. Yeah, Uh, was Jay Moore. I've seen that movie. Oh my gosh, that movie's so gosh. Let's do a throwback. Jay Moore, Christina Applegate, and Lloyd Bridges. Ooh, Ooh. boy, what a what a mention there. Number nine was Small Soldiers, and number ten was Mulan. So quite the quite the summer we had there. Mulan was number ten. It had been out for nine months at that point. It had been out for yeah, well, six weeks. Yeah. So it, it had made its mark by that point. Mulan, $300 million that summer. It's pretty solid. What was Small Soldiers? Solid. Small Soldiers, they don't have any international release information on uh, Box Office Mojo, but the domestic was only $54 million total. Wow. Yeah. Small Soldiers. Come on. All right. Well, um, we are talking Saving Private Ryan. This is long overdue. Um, I mean, yeah. We've talked about this multiple times in the past and passing multiple Spielberg talks, but um, refresh me on your thoughts on it, um, Bigo. One of my 10 favorite movies of all time. I think it is the best war movie of all time. Uh, that's a much hotter opinion than one of my personal favorite, but it would get my, if, if we were, if we were the AFI people, this would be my vote for best war movie ever. It's certainly my favorite. I think it is a, one of the five most uh, memorable, important, whatever uh, word you terminology you want to use there, uh, theater going experiences of my life, and uh, a movie that re- very rare for me, at least. I, I know there's people. I think you guys are in the same boat as me, but could be wrong. But there's lots of people out there that I think that will watch that tend to really enjoy um, difficult gritty dark movies and we'll rewatch them over and over again i'm not typically that way there's very few of that kind of movie that i'm just like yeah sign me up to watch that 37 times over the next five years um and this is but this is one of the few that 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 fits the boat i watch it at least once a year usually memorial day or or fourth of july somewhere in that area and uh i'm always always blown away by how incredible it is still to this day. We're now 20 years uh, away from its release and it, it still, it looks amazing. Um, the feel is, uh, just 
unreal and in the fact that it is so real um it's an incredible experience and and features such a great cast and great score and great cinematography and and on down the list i think it's a i think it's i kind of reserve the word masterpiece for the best of the best of the best that's i'll give a movie an a plus i'll say it's a perfect movie blah blah blah. but masterpiece is the word that i tend to try to hold back and reserve and i i think this is a, a straight up absolute masterpiece one of the best movies i have ever seen in my life r bizzle and the yeah. yeah it's a movie that man it 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 feels in an odd way i'm sure there's for older generations than us other war movies that signify certain wars uh but this one when i think of world war ii and i think of the storming of those beaches i think of these scenes you know they kind of uh I, I'm imagining the movie instead of imagining anything real, and it just feels so uh, perfect for for that. It, I, I admit that I'm not someone who served in World War II, so I could have gotten it totally wrong. But it it just feels so point perfect uh, tonally, and and uh, gr- you know, it's so realistic and gritty, and and uh, and and oddly it's weird to say beautiful because it's so gruesome, but then it's framed so elegantly and, and uh, just shot so impeccably uh, that it, it has this weird juxtaposition of the hell on earth uh, with, with someone that's framing that hell really masterfully. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and sure. uh, it's a really unique watch in that way. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, anyone that says, you know, this is funny. The other Tom Hanks, uh, movie that everyone loves from the same time period that you know everyone (laughs) that brian hates on it's like as much as you hate that it's like you love this it's just it's just a perfect movie and it's a (laughs) tough watch and it's not one that's easy all the time because it's because like you said it doesn't pull any punches but it's it's definitely kind of required viewing in a weird way both from film people that are interested in filmmaking and for history people and just kind of citizens of of this country to kind of know sacrifices that were, were put on there so that three guys like us can can sit and and talk on a podcast gosh what a i mean if those guys had seen this coming they definitely want to turn those boats around uh and just said let you know let's just get taken over if we're just gonna end up doing podcasts um but it's 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 oddly uh it's just such a it's always you know world war ii is kind of always prescient and always important and always terrifying and and it it hits all those notes perfectly can't what about you yeah, man. To me, this is the definition of what movies are for. You know, um, there's no other medium that can give you the experience that this movie can give you in mm-hmm. terms of what war is about, what it feels like, what it um, sounds like. Uh, you know, in all aspects of it, you can't get it from books. You can't get it from watching old footage of the war, right? It doesn't have the same effect even. Um, Steven Spielberg, I feel like he was like put on this planet for the, this and for Schindler's List and for his gift, you know? I mean, I think this is the a culmination of perfect subject matter for a director who knew, knows his duty as a filmmaker. And it's... Yeah. It would feel, it would feel disingenuous or disrespectful for this movie to be anything other than what it is, right? He had no choice but to make this as realistic and 
gritty and bloody as he possibly could because that's how it was like, right? Can you imagine if he had watered this down at all, the reception from the people that actually experienced it saying, how dare you water down those events, right? You know, um, yeah. same with Schindler's List, right? He knows the task that he has in terms of telling those stories and he does it better than anyone. I mean, so many filmmakers, can you imagine if this was... I don't know if Joel Schumacher had made this movie in the late nineties or somebody like, you know, somebody like that sure. or a Roland Emmerich who had gained a little bit of a track record and it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to do the Normandy beach story. You know, take for example, what exactly would happen with Michael Bay and Pearl Harbor, right? Um, take the opposite with Spielberg. He knows the subject matter. He knows how serious the material is and there's no one better at framing a shot at setting a scene and at using the emotion of the audience and triggering the emotion of the audience in him. And he does it, you know, for all the right reasons. It makes you happy. It makes you patriotic, but he does it and it makes you cringe and it makes your heartache and it makes you not be able to look at the screen. Right. He knows, he knows how to use, utilize all the tools at his disposal to bring you this absolute assault of a movie <laughs> and of a first act. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know feel like that scene is five minutes, you know, two and a half minutes storming the beach of Normandy, right? Um, there's, there is that little intro scene with um, the grave and Arlington and the American flag and all that. I always forget that that's like before the Normandy scene, right? I always feel like this movie just sure. fades up from black and they're on the beach, you know, or in the boats. There is that little opening, which uh, works well at the end. But um, – I watched this this past weekend just to refresh my thoughts, all that, just kind of paid attention. That sequence is like 25 minutes. Yeah, it's 25 minutes long. Of yeah. them storming the beach. It's and, unrelenting. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that, and that's great, I guess. But, I mean, just to put it in perspective, you could watch a whole episode of Friends, plus <laughs> go get something to eat and use the bathroom and come back, and that scene is still yeah. going on, right? Yeah. Just in terms of the overall scale and scope of it. But I mean, Spielberg's the master. This movie's masterfully paced. I mean, I think exactly the one hour mark, I like looked at the clock on the DVD player and exactly the one hour mark is when he, when Tom Hanks meets with Fillion, right? In the private Ryan conversation. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, it's so, to have a movie like this about just this chaotic war and for it to be so structured out and um, visualized the way Spielberg did it is, is part of this half of the masterpiece, right? Just the way he went about it, about it. And um, I guess we'll transition the conversation, Brian Richard, into Janusz Kaminski, the cinematographer, and Spielberg consciously made the effort to shoot this thing on shoulder cam the whole time and to make it feel like you were there, you know? And, like, the, the camera guys are just as uh, confused as the people, the actors, right? They don't know where to focus the cameras. They, you know, mm -hmm. they're, like, getting shot at, basically, as well. It does feel like eyewitness more than any of Spielberg's films and... Again, it's just about him knowing the medium that well and knowing which way to tell the story. You know, there's no mm -hmm. sweeping crane shots in that scene. There's no helicopter shots of the battle. Right. It's right. just purely it just moved up the beach. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. And you feel yeah. like you're you are the person. And when the you know the camera goes under the water and you feel like you're drowning mm -hmm. with the soldiers and bullets are flying through the water, right? It's just like a crazy amount of yeah. preparation. But he shot that thing just I can't imagine a, a, any other way of doing it, really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they set up they set that beach up and then literally uh he just they moved up the beach and they shot they shot in this 
you know, however far the, uh, the camera could reach, we shot here until we've got that scene done and however many days it takes, that's fine. And then we'll move up the beach and do it again there and do it again. The, this whole, this whole shoot was 59 days and they spent 25 days at the beach on that, that first 25 minutes. And it, it shows, right? Like that's a, I don't know that anyone else could do that, could do that scene justice the way that it was done in this movie. And it's, it's powerful and harrowing and gut wrenching. And I remember for the, the first time I saw, I was 15 when this movie came out and I went with two of my friends to see it. And I, I'm sure we got like our, one of our moms to buy us tickets and then let us go in by ourselves. Cause we didn't see it with any, any adults. I, I feel like I handle things very well. Typically like I'm very, um, I don't know. I, I just kind of roll with the punches and, and whatnot. I had like nervous laughter in the first couple minutes of this and then immediately checked that of like, Hey idiot, you can't laugh. But I was, it was so jarring how the first time around seeing this movie at 15 years old and seeing, you know, people literally holding their intestines in and stuff. And it was just such an almost out of body experience that it, it take, it took me 15 or 20 minutes to kind of, um, calibrate myself to what I was seeing. It was just such a, an, an, almost out of body experience. And then it just goes from there, you know, and thankfully you get a break on that sort of, uh, action. I don't know how long, how, I don't know how much longer you could stretch that, uh, sequence without just, you know, viewers just having to, all the viewers just having to leave. Cause it's yeah. so, so unrelenting. And yet, strangely, I have always felt like and I think it's mostly that it's just Spielberg sensibilities and the way that he makes movies. But I don't, I still, after having seen this movie, I don't know, 50 times, I don't feel like it's gratuitous at all. Like it's just so, um, in the moment and so real and so visceral, but it never feels like, okay, come on, dude. You know, there, it's just, it just is, this is the appropriate representation of what took place on this day and that's what you're going to get. And I, I don't know. There's something very truthful about that to me. Yeah. Arby, what do you remember yeah, about right. this? I mean, movie? this is something that like, if you created it from scratch, it would be gratuitous. But since it actually appears to have happened this way, it, it really mm-hmm, seems mm-hmm. like a almost touching way to say, Hey, this is know what these guys gave up, you know, instead of, uh, whatever. No, I, I saw this. I don't remember at some point in, well, obviously I saw the first few minutes seeing, uh, Zorro. And then, uh, I saw the whole movie. I would say somewhere appropriate age, uh, between eighth and 10th grade, I would think somewhere in there. Um, you know, kind of homeworked. It wasn't, super excited for it kind of seemed like something i needed to have seen <laughs> checking mm-hmm, off the mm-hmm. list i think at a buddy's house or sure. something and and then you just find yourself completely transfixed by it i mean it's so it's so mesmerizing in this in all the ways good and bad uh it's just a really unique watching experience and it's very unlike even though spielberg has done things with a lot of weight before it's not all just jaws and and things like that. It it's just so it still seems so different for him in in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's not flashy, you know? It's not Yeah. I mean, it's not like full metal jacket or it's trying to be just in your face like 
dog cussing you in your face, you know? It's, there's something extremely re- respectful and realistic about the way he went about this. And, um, yeah, it almost feels like historical footage at this point, right? Because in your mind's eye, when you think of D-Day, you think of that, right? You think of those mm-hmm, gates mm-hmm. opening on those boats as the as the uh, as they hit the sands of Normandy. But yeah, what an incredible sequence! But I hate to limit this movie to that sequence, even though yeah, you know, totally. you know sure. Spielberg obviously realized that that would be what people left talking about, right? Um, with how much time he spent on that and and uh, how it's held up. By the way. You know, what, a 20-year anniversary, we talk about how do movies hold up. This movie holds up visually incredible. I mean, it's just stunning. It looks just like it could have come out this weekend. I hate I say that all the time, but, I mean, it's uh, even even some of the actors that are in it that are still acting, like they don't look too young, you know, even though Nathan Fillion Mm -hmm. looks really young. But, I mean, it just uh, (laughs) it just holds up so well. But um, I have some comments on the cast a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's more than just that. This the sequence with the sniper's nest is one of my favorite sequences of all time in cinema history, yes, right? And same. that's just another kind of a footnote to this movie. What are some scenes that stick out to you guys uh, on the rewatch, or maybe aside from that first twenty five, twenty seven minutes? You go ahead, Brian. Yeah, um, that was something that I noted while I was watching this this week was just how many scenes and sequences stand out as like, for most movies, I don't know how to put that. I think most movies, if they could come out with something that 20 years later is a scene that is still iconic and matters and people think of when they think of that movie, then you've done something incredible. And I think this movie has like five or six, you know, it just, it moves from one to the next. You're just like, gosh, that's an incredible sequence. I love the tower, the, uh, the sniper sequence as well. I think that is, Oh gosh, it's so it's so well done. It smells the worst of all the scenes because Paul Giamatti was on set and they had an odor control unit there at all times. But it adds to the it adds to the ambiance of the the movie as a whole. Yeah, that that sniper scene is incredible, and I love the it's it's less a scene so much as just like a, a filler spot for the score. But I, the sequence right after they get their assignment and get their team together, and they're walking up when the they're hill. coming up over the hill, is such a, it's just, I mean, that's an, uh, that may be the second or third thing I think of when I think about this movie. It's such a, such an incredible sequence. And the, you know, the, the battle of Ramel is incredible as well. The scene that I tend to, think of and then try to not think of as soon as I do think of it is the when they're storming the the machine gun nest and uh and Giovanni Rabisi catches the bullets. I think that scene for me always, even more so than the actual storming of Normandy and whatnot, that's the hardest scene for me to to get through. There's just there's something about um you know the the beach scene there's so much mass chaos and terrible things that are happening that you can almost check out of it in a way you can just say, gosh, this is horrible. What's happening to all these people. And I'm so thankful for our freedoms and blah, 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 blah. The scene when they storm that, that machine gun nest and, and then you, and Oppum's watching it through his scope. And then you, you hear medic medic. And then the, them trying to stop the bleeding. That's such a, it's so much more personal in that, sequence and it's you're 
you kind of feel like you are in the huddle for lack of a better term of of people trying to keep this guy alive and it is that has always been the most gut punch hardest to watch sequence in the in the movie and it it stands out immediately um when i when i think of this richard is there any any other scene that that jumps out at you not real i mean they're not that the rest is filler like you said but just it is kind of going to these big moments in a journey so those all those are the same that stand out to me Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. yeah some of the stuff uh i just made some notes on watching the first sequence and some of the just little moments throughout the sequence that make it uh harrowing and just visceral and hard to watch um uh, and one of the moments is when you know they completely remove the sound right from the situation and it's just from mm-hmm. the perspective of Tom Hanks um, I want to comment a little bit about the casting because this is a great ensemble cast and I always forget that Cranston is in this every time yeah. I'm like yeah, oh same Cranston and, um, but I want to comment on Tom Hanks being in this movie because Tom Hanks was cast in this role in the height of his fame I mean he could not have been a better a bigger star at the time right uh, 1998, coming off Forrest Gump, coming off Philadelphia, right? That thing you do, I think was 97, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could have done anything, right? He did this. Spielberg chose him for this, right? To star in this movie. Um, I think it really adds to the overall effect of this movie. The fact that our protagonist, the guy we're following on the beaches of Normandy is Tom Hanks, right? Cause you feel mm-hmm. that much more emotionally attached to that person, that much more, sympathetic to that person you feel like it's your own watching your own family member storm the beach of normandy right you're just like oh god please don't let anything happen to them please you know and i feel like if you cast some random person some unknown maybe in that role then it wouldn't have been as effective and spielberg knew that and that's something that i always kind of never really understood about this is like why does it why does this movie need that star power right of tom hanks but then this on this last rewatch i just realized the stroke of genius like we don't like that. And that scene highlights it, you know, when the sound is removed and he's just sitting there looking around and then, um, kind of realizing the situation he's in total out of body. Right. And then mm-hmm. when he comes to somebody's saying, sir, sir, what do we do now? And he has no idea. Right. And he's just like, just yeah. go over there, storm the beach, you know, uh, that always just stuck out to me. And I was just like, wow, Spielberg, you've done it again. I just realized <laughs> that the whole reason behind that. And, um, very, very effective and makes me like it even more. Um, but yeah. yeah, that also the, the need for the medics, like people just yelling medic on that beach stresses me out because there's, you, you know, you, you really can't do much, you know, and they're just trying to do all they can. And I hate that that stresses me out. Like all the scenes with the medics, like trying to sew people up and the guy just being like, I'm going to die, you know, as he's getting sewn mm-hmm. up and his arms like cut yeah. off or whatever that. And, um, also, when they decide to move on and they gather up all the ammo and weapons from the other soldiers who have already been wounded on the beach, right? And there's like several of them that are still alive and they're just taking their guns and grenades off of them as they're leaving, you know, just basically leaving them for dead. Oh, just all that stuff that you deal with in war that you don't think about. And that isn't Mm -hmm. even mentioned in the movie. That's kind of there. Yeah. That Spielberg draws attention to is, Oh, it gets me every time. And just like Mm -hmm. the, the death is just so common. You know, there's like a scene yeah. in, in that in that uh, that storming scene where two guys are talking about what they're going to do. And like there there's three people in the shot. Right. And the third one just gets shot in the head and dies and just falls over like it's nothing. Yep. Right. And these are people. It's just. Oh, yeah. It gives me chills, you know, thinking about it. But 
Yeah, it, there's so much going on in the background that you feel like that's part of what makes them that the movie so real and and feel like you're in it is because it's not just what's happening with the characters that you come to love or the the faces that you know and blah blah blah. It's like you said, Kent. There's just every every inch of the screen is filled with stuff that is happening that would be happening in war <laughs> and mm-hmm. and you just i think i think a lot of times we tend to focus in on those things not, not we as the audience we're like forced to do it because the director we gotta we gotta come in think about fallen key this is a very i'm i'm not it's dumb to compare jurassic world 2 to saving part of ryan but think about how many times we get a close-up of bryce dallas howard's shoes it's like okay mm-hmm. we get it we understand we we know what you're calling back to at this point Whereas, then contrast that with Saving Private Ryan, and like, you're, there's just so many things that are happening that um, aren't the focus of the scene, and in fact, you really aren't even the focus of the background. It's just a thing that's going on, and that adds to that that feel of like, gosh, what <laughs> you imme- I don't know. I think the the first time I saw, even once we got past the you get past the beach scene, and throughout the course of the movie, I for me, I just kept thinking the first time I saw I was like what in the freaking world would I be doing in this situation? Like, this is just, it's, it's unparalleled on that front. It's the, the way that, that he's able to, to bring you in to that and, and, and still, and still leave you walking away, not saying I'm never going to watch that movie again. Does that make sense? Like to, to walk away and still be not just marveling at how great of a movie it is, but, being willing to go and watch it again, given the very nature of it. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's definitely an experience every single time. I mean, nothing is removed by the repeated viewings of this. If anything, it's more effective on repeating viewings, right? Uh, it is long. Mm-hmm. It's two hours 49, but I think it's a worthy two hours 49, and it um, takes you on a journey, man. And there's so many moments throughout where it's just... You feel like only Spielberg should be doing this. I mean, one of the first, uh, one of the most effective moments for me is the is Private Ryan's mom. I guess you know, getting the news that the brothers have died, right? But the the driveway is so long on their property that she's like seeing mm-hmm. the car as it's coming up the driveway, so she has time to like emotionally kind of comprehend what's about to happen you know yeah it's not just like car car walks up cop goes to the door it's like this long drawn out thing and that's just quintessential spielberg right like making it this epic moment you know it's not epic but just perfectly hitting on the emotion of that how impactful that is you know and um really I, i can't think of any other words than like what i mentioned earlier is just like this guy was meant for this at this time in history to make this movie. You know, you can't sure. really say anything. I, don't, I can't believe Shakespeare and love freaking one best picture. And that's another conversation. But like, how can, even in the moment, I feel like we recognized this is, this yeah. is a great film guys. And I don't feel like anyone was saying that about Shakespeare yeah. and love other than like, Gwyneth's a really fun personality. <laughs> you know, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, man. I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's what, that's what it all came down. I mean, that's the most egregious example of not j- I mean we all accept that it's the most egregious over bad awarding of best picture over a you know a, a great movie but it also stands as the the uh the biggest example of that impact that he 
uh, had through his campaigning and whatnot, which is super fun. <laughs> Just very so we'll rehash very all that in our minds, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Time. Exactly. Um, ensemble cast we mentioned. What did you guys think? What do you guys think about the uh, the other people in the cast besides Hanks? We got Matt Damon in this, of course. Adam Goldberg, Vin Diesel, Nathan Fillion. Uh, what did you guys think of the other people in it? The whole ensemble, I guess. Yeah, Richard, what do you you got that? I mean, it's a it's like the most loaded cast ever with with people in in roles. It's a band that... of brothers. They spun yeah. this into a series. It really was. It was like we could do this. This yeah. could be a thing. You know. Yeah, no, it's it totally is, and you you're right, Kent. When you bring up people like Cranston and Vin Diesel and people like that, you go, oh yeah, he's in this. Oh, Giovanni yeah. Ribisi, yeah, yeah, right. Giovanni Ribisi, Ted um, Danson, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all Ted it's, McGinley, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. It was every ninety star was in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ross Chandler and Joey. <laughs> right. That was yeah. weird. That's what, and, that dates it a little bit. Right. And Marcel. It's weird when the monkeys <laughs> uh, you're at mad about monkeys. Um the yeah, it's it's a great cast. Diesel. I love that he wrote in a part for Diesel after watching Vin's first movie, which is like, yeah, I got, like imagine the stock that uh Steven Spielberg has on Vin Diesel's career. That's pretty that's pretty awesome. But I think there's a lot it's not just that there's that the cast is so deep it's that you could probably pick out five or six guys and say that's the best performance of their entire career and they all put it into this movie you know tom sizemore and ed burns and uh barry pepper and goldberg on i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive barry pepper uh private jackson is my favorite i probably said this before is my favorite supporting character in any movie of all time. Like I love, I just, the sniper who quotes the Bible while he's sniping people is just, it's such a, it's such an interesting, well-written character for having three lines, you know, in the movie. It's just such a, uh, that should be and so you've easily been thrown a Barry away. Pepper stand. You always I know, have. I know. Yeah, obviously. You ride for yeah. Barry Pepper. Yep. You've seen yeah. my Tumblr. You've seen my Tumblr. I guess. Yeah. It's <laughs> both <laughs> online and also you have a, a glass you carry with you with mm-hmm. ice in it mm-hmm. that has yeah. Barry Pepper's face on it. Yeah. Both tumblers. Yeah, yeah that yep. cost me a pretty penny, but it was it was worth it. that ice yeah. cube tray was was worth it. So he's bet. No, it's his second best work besides Battlefield Earth. <laughs> By the way, you could be watching. Just I know, I know. I'll I'll compare and contrast those characters soon, guys. Just just be on the lookout for that. What um, what do you guys think of a Thin Red Line, which is the same year as, as this movie? Maybe oh, did it overshadow it? No, or, or not overshadow it, but it did it lessen the impact a little bit. That there were two pretty prominent mm. World War Two movies released in the same year. You know, I remember the, the, the conversation around those movies in the moment. It was very segmented. That cast uh, is loaded, too. Weird. Yeah, loaded cast. By the way, that's a great movie yeah. and a great Criterion collection if, you're still, if you still buy uh, physical copies of stuff. That's one that's worth – next time Criterion's having a sale and you're needing a third one or whatever, that's, that's a good one to, to grab. Um, really, really great copy really great extras and and whatnot 
Um, John Travolta I, is in it, though. Brian. <laughs> right. So but I just that. I edited not in my and Jared not Leto, in my part. Your two faves. <laughs> Travolta is not in my version of uh, of the movie. I've I've edited out all of, of his stuff in in every. It's very again very expensive, but worth the money. Um, I remember the the conversation around those those two movies at the time. It, it very much and it it's we see this all the time now still. It's but one was the critics and film snobs kind of turn their nose up a little bit at saving private Ryan and just, well, that's saving private Ryan is the mass audience, but the thin red line is really the, the masterpiece film. And I, I feel like that looks stupid in about three days, like three days later, everybody says, Hey guys, thin red line is a very, very, very good movie. It is not, um, it's certainly not so good that you need to, uh, sneer at its, "Quote unquote competitor," the way it was. That's a very good movie, though. I Thin Red yeah. Line would be one that would be in my in the conversation for like the ten best war movies for me. But it's it doesn't it, it pales in comparison personally. What? Uh, so you said your favorite or the best war movie is Saving Private Ryan, in your opinion? I say I would say both. It's it's certainly my favorite. Um, and if if you let if you put me in in a situation where I voted on favorite, I'm I'm not saying that it would win, and I don't know that it would be a you know it would i'm certainly would be close but to me i would take it as the best movie over whatever i like uh, i like i think apocalypse now is maybe the only one that i would have to think about other than saving private ryan sure to me it's totally different but yeah absolutely maybe maybe bridge on the river quiet yeah that, that that, that would be number two for me on the best list gotcha if i was going favorite i'd probably go I'd probably go Saving Private Ryan, Great Escape, and then Bridge on River Kwai and, and go from there. But just best, I think, to me, it, it has always come down. It was Bridge on the River Kwai up until Saving Private Ryan came out for me personally. Gotcha. On my personal Spielberg list, I have Saving Private Ryan as number five on the on the best list. Um, so, yeah. So, on my list ahead of it, I have E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, and Schindler's List, which are all masterpieces in their own right for their own reasons, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So uh, I think Saving Private Ryan maybe could have benefited from, a, I don't know, a radio edit, if that makes sense. There's a, maybe a more um, fast edit you could have done of this that maybe would have made it the pacing a little bit, it made it not a two-hour, 49-minute investment every time you watch it. Maybe that Maybe the rewatchability mm-hmm. would sure. up it on my list in terms of I could sit down and watch ET in an hour and 10 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, that makes it extremely rewatchable. Same with Jurassic park and, and jaws. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great film. It's a, it's, I I would love for Spielberg to do another war movie. That's just super realistic, gritty style and just using the medium of cinema to its full potential. I love that. I I was hoping that's what we were going to get with Lincoln was more civil war stuff because a Spielberg civil war movie would really pique my interest if he was to go that direction, do like a, do Gettysburg, you know, like do it justice, the battle of Gettysburg. God, that'd be so good with mm-hmm. his vision, but um, we'll see. Where, yeah. where, where do you rank it on your list? For me, it's, I have it third uh, behind Raiders and Jurassic Park ahead gotcha. of Schindler's and E.T. and Jaws. But when I did my Spielberg rankings in March, I think I said like the top seven, I could really slot in any in any mm-hmm. order. It's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like 
immediate preference or like recency bias in some ways like oh i've seen this one most recently so it's it's the top it's very difficult for me to to separate those ones but yeah when you have that many uh masterpieces and perfect films on your resume yeah. it's it's hard it's hard for me to choose between 1941 and kingdom of the crystal school too right 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 exactly dead. yeah it's tough richard you're not the biggest you're you're not quite as much of a spielberg guy as me and camp but what's yeah. your what's your your uh, spielberg list well it's obviously the post one mm-hmm. um <laughs> no I would. Th- this is probably one for me. Maybe this or Catch Me If You Can. I love Catch sure. Me If You Can a lot. Um, do, 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 do. I'm trying to think what third. Close Encounters, Minority Report. I would probably Raiders. go Jurassic Park three, and then Minority Reports up there. I'd have to look. The Terminal, War Horse, BFG. War Horse is, is a hard five. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's. But it's somewhere. Ten, Those ten. All fluctuate. But this is probably. I mean, this is what I would say would be the best movie i don't know if it's my favorite but it's some combination therein of my favorite and the best so i'll say mm. it's number one sure it's good very good well this was definitely worthy of a little bit of a talk if you haven't seen this um, gosh and and i mean there's not much spoilers i can do there's not much story here other than you know them saving private ryan right uh it's just a it it, it really is an ex it a full-on assault of cinema in the best way. I mean, it's just, it makes mm-hmm. you appreciate, mm-hmm. it makes you love the U.S., it makes you appreciate films, it makes you appreciate your family, everything. <laughs> it's just sure. like... Yeah. It's flawless, man. It's, it really is, man. It's just, it's, it hits you, it hits every note. It really yeah. does. And, and, we, and we didn't even talk about the, the finale. I mean, like, that's how great this movie yeah. is, because that the battle at Brumel is, I mean, that's unparalleled cinema and it mm-hmm. barely comes up in our conversation because there's so much other stuff that that pulls your attention throughout that's gosh incredible film wow 70 million dollars i'm still every time i watch i'm like how even in 1998 dollars how did this get done for 70 million dollars it's that's incredible as well i don't know i guess it's just let's rent four cameras and go to on a beach you know mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did a lot of CG, CG, I think, in the, some of the wide shots and things with them not having, like, that's the thing with Apocalypse Now, is back at when it was shot, they're like, well, I guess we have to have helicopters circling at all times, because back in <laughs> Vietnam, the helicopters were circling at all times, so every shot has to have some, you know, that has to have that in there, because they couldn't just CG it, like like now or back then. So, to me, that's just, like, the scale of Apocalypse Now, I'm just blown away by it, even even today. Sure. Um, platoon might be another one that's in the conversation too. A lot of people might say that one, but mm-hmm. it's in the a lot of good war movies. A lot of them. Maybe we'll do a yeah. top ten war movies episode if all. Yeah, um, that'd be fun at some point. Be fun for sure. Well, thank you for joining us for this bonus conversation this week. This little peek inside the VIP. If you want to be a VIP, we do throwback episodes pretty much weekly over there, and a lot of other fun bonus content too. So head on over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com/vip to sign up. For as little as $1 a week. Yeah, that's right. Just a buck. One. Wow. Literally what a bargain. A, a dollar. It is a, it's a bargain, if I've ever heard of it. Well, Brian, where can yes, we find yes, you yes. on the intraweb? 
You can find me at uh, bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, where I did recently do a Spielberg ranking of every single Spielberg film, so you can go back and check that out on the blog. And you can find me on the uh, Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which I think will be out next week. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all that stuff, uh, plus Richard Barden on all social media. Kent, where can I find you? On Kent Garrison on all social media as well, kentgarrison.com. By the way, we didn't grade this one out, but I think we're all giving it an A+. Yeah, plus, a+, plus, right? a+, plus, a+ plus, yeah. Three A+. Plus. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, find us on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Please subscribe. If you like what you hear, give us five stars on iTunes. That helps grow the show. Until uh, next week, happy 4th of July, everyone. And yeah. we'll see you at the cinema. It's the remix to ignition. Hot and fresh out the kitchen. Mama rolling that body. Got every man in here wishing. Sipping on coke and rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk. It's the freaking weekend. Maybe I'm about to have me some fun. Crystal popping in the stretch navigator.